Hello, and welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. I am Benjamin Light. And I am Marco Sparks. And today we're talking about S2E16, Let the Water Hold Me Down. It's a episode, I guess it's titled from a Talking Heads song, which is a very weird reference for Pretty Little Liars. Probably not a weird reference for the writers of the show. No. Who I'm no, sure no. All, all listen to this back in their use, but... One of the things, and it's, it's, you know, won't make it matter to our listener, but it's been about two weeks since we've talked about Pretty Little Liars. But one of the things that we don't do on the podcast is we don't talk about previously on Pretty Little Liars because, fuck you, watch the show, you know, listen to our podcast. But I just want to say real quick in our previously on segment, mm-hmm. I could watch Hannah hit Lucas with that or like 20 <laughs> more times. Well, like, Easily 20 more. Like the weak ass scream he gives out. He's like, nah. ah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I forever I could watch that. Endless so, gifts. So deserved. Fucking Lucas. He's so awful in this episode, too. We'll get to that. So, by the way, if you're wondering what this kind of episode is going to be like, it's going to be that kind of episode. We don't mm-hmm. like Lucas. Do not like Lucas. But there are a lot of other really great things in this episode, so we can talk about them. And other and other terrible things, too. But yeah, let's get into this thing. Ooh, I'm curious to see what terrible things you're talking about. I mean, besides Mona. I'm sorry, not Mona, Maya. Maya, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mona is fucking wonderful in this episode. Maya, not so much. Spoiler, Spencer and Maya, um, Spencer and Mo- God damn it, Spencer and Mona <laughs> have a scene that is tremendous. Anyway, so we start off the episode, we're, we're gonna, at least we start the episode at Spencer's house. It's, it's presumably later that night after, uh, quote unquote, Caleb's surprise birthday party. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hannah's by the fire, kind of staring into it, getting warm. In a bathrobe. In a bathrobe. And it's just very weird because Arya, her other, brings her some aspirin and offers to make her some soup. Mm-hmm. Which I, 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 you know, the sad thing is, I really would love to interview Lucy Hale about her take on Arya and stuff because I feel like when you watch Arya now, like, don't you just inherently distrust her? I've always distrusted Arya, but that's, that's why I like Arya. There's <laughs> just, she I'm has just like, tons. I don't know what's going on. She, her and Spencer both have a, a million like wonderful facial expressions in this episode, but yeah, and she's she's very genuine here. She's taking care of her other, you know, her her doppelganger Hannah. Uh, then Spencer comes over with a blanket to put around Hannah. It's like she just fell in the lake, you know. But yeah, well, and Spencer bring Spencer, but Spencer can't be just comforting. Not to mm-hmm. Hannah, anyways. No, Spencer no, comes no. over the blanket, and she's like, "Oh, by the way." She's like, the sheriff is going to drag the lake in the morning. She's like, I'm sorry to have to tell you this now. Wait, no, I'm not. Yeah. Sheriff said he's going to drag the lake tomorrow, you know, for Lucas's body. He may have killed his lifeless, you know, waterlogged, rotting pale little body, like fish yeah. eating corpse. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're going to, op- like he's going to throw the body in the boat and like a mouth will open and a fish will crawl out. <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted Spencer to like turn She's to like, Emily not to upset like, you or anything, but that's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, I want Spencer to turn to Emily and be like, I have been dying to say that for like 45 minutes now. Mm-hmm. But Hannah is positive that Lucas is still alive. Well, the other liars, not so sure. She says uh, he knows how to swim and she can feel him out there, you know, being creepy. Which is... <laughs> um, so then the question that comes up is, is Lucas working with a uh and you know it's possible because after all jenna did get caleb to work for her mm. so yeah there's a precedent there aria mentions that she never saw lucas as being that violent and hannah says he can be 
And they're like, what? And then she tells them, she's never told them this, so it's kind of a fun little secret reveal. She tells them that Lucas was the one who trashed Allison's memorial. Yeah. Yes. Um, Which is pretty so much then, all all uh, Spencer needs to move Lucas up to the top of the list. Exactly, yeah. He's now at the top of her bracket. And I would mm-hmm. love to see like the great big like Spencer evidence wall. That's the only thing the show's ever been missing, where she just like starts moving, you know, like like basically either the evidence wall or like that like uh, uh, strategy battlefield playing thing that you'd see like in in military shows. I'm not even That's sure if she could have a wall. Like I feel like she needs to operate in three dimensional space. It'd be some sort of like mm. virtual reality computer program where she's pulling stuff in and out, you know. I'm hearing a spinoff here that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I guess it's a Hannah's like like water bottle or whatever somebody hands her out of her bag well we should mention hannah says that the reason she didn't tell the liars about the memorial things she kept it a secret to protect lucas because he's been through a lot and allison really tortured him that's kind mm. of her feeling well it's, and it's it's a sweet moment because hannah can sympathize mm-hmm. i mean after all hannah did speak to allison's ghost in a chair in her therapist's office a few episodes ago so we know hannah means it when she says it um, yeah, yeah so, she, she's about to take that aspirin that Ari gave her suspiciously. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many little things you can point to that Ari is like a, like some sort of genius mastermind behind everything. But, and yet also so, so precociously naive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Hannah, she takes a sip from the water bottle just as they tell her not to, because it's not just water, it's a lake water. It's all like kind of gross and brown and, you know whatnot in the water bottle now now i didn't play this back because i wanted to get to the episodes we could record but mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong right before she's about to drink it does it is it not aria who screams out hannah no it's lake water you mean who who adr's in hannah it's lake water yeah <laughs> very yeah, obvious aria? very obviously dubbed in yeah yeah um so spencer is positive positive immediately that lucas did this to hannah to finish what he started oh then they get the a text Says, no fun chugging lake water is it? Choke on this bitch, eh? <laughs> and then there's a, a incredibly hilarious like bit where like there's they don't show like the flash of lightning, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like they don't show that. They just, you just hear like this crack of lightning, and like the girls kind of like look up at the ceiling in this very strange but still ominous angle because A controls and, the weather. Yeah, and that's that's the opening. That's the um, world they live in. Exactly. We're we're going to skip over one scene here because after this one scene, after the credits, uh, the girls are all together again. It's the next day, and they're in Spencer's kitchen. Mm-hmm. And Spencer's oh. emptying out a bag. This is a bag she found upstairs hidden in her attic. It's full of uh, some burner cell phones and a stick this of is, gum. This is such a fascinating shot because as she pours out these burner cell phones they kind of like just move out like slow motion for a second Mm -hmm. it's such a weird interesting shot i don't think it means anything they just did it i don't know they they need to fill an extra 15 seconds or whatever but it's it's wonderful i like that they focus on the burner phone so i don't want to give anything away but the gum that's what's important in this scene Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but so the inference here is that a was definitely in spencer's family's lake house yeah, and they, they, Spencer's family never uses the house after Labor Day, nor do they wear white after Labor Day. Uh, and so yeah. it's a perfect place for A to like set up an evil lair. And just a refresher from the last <laughs> Yeah, I think Spencer actually says, set up an evil lair. Yeah, yeah, she says that exactly. Spencer is on point in this episode. She's mm-hmm. on fire. 
Um, and we get a refresher that the photo of the dolls that Caleb unlocked from Ace phone was definitely taken in Spencer's mm-hmm. attic. And there's a receipt in the bag as well. And the receipt <laughs> is dated from right around the same time that Hannah was at Spencer's Lake House with Caleb. And Hannah's like, oh my God, it was there when we, or, you know, and Spencer's Knocking just like, boots. Spencer's like, yeah, I know about you on my Nana's couch. And I like how Hannah's just like, okay, who told? Like, like yeah. everyone else knew about that. Yeah. Well, but I love, I love Spencer's reaction was, you know, there were like four bedrooms there with actual beds. <laughs> I just like to imagine the conversation where like, it's like Hannah talking to Arya and Emily. And she's like, yeah, I totally like bone Caleb on the couch in there. Don't tell Spencer. And they're like, okay. Which sidebar, brief research, which we'll get into in the future at some point. I've been looking at some of these Amazon Kindle worlds, Pretty Liars synopses. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you people tackling this kind of stuff? This is where the juice lies. I think if you're going to like really delve into the fan fiction world, it should be all about like Hannah bragging about conquest to the other liars. I'm serious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's this great like exchange where, you know, Emily's, you know, trying to stay business as usual and like, so Hannah, the receipt, did you and Caleb, did you guys see or hear anything? And and Hannah's <laughs> just like, like, Em, we were kind of busy, you know. And Spencer's like, Yeah, getting busy. And Hannah has a really hilarious look on her face when she says this. It's it's like there's a tiny amount of guilt, but a lot of just kind of like a secret smile, you know, like hey, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was. <laughs> yeah. Well, like if Spencer turned around for half a second, Hannah would be going for high fives. Mm-hmm. No joke. So Arya doesn't ask if Lucas seemed like he knew where he was going in Spencer's attic. And so Spencer immediately surmises that Lucas was up there in the attic cleaning up after Jenna and Garrett. Yeah, she she has not drawn Jenna and Garrett as suspects. She's just added Lucas to the team as well. Yeah, exactly. Because that's how Spencer rolls. And somewhere, somewhere like Ian is still on that team, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, seemingly the only person who's ever like escaped the 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 web of Spencer is Toby, and you kind of wonder if he has really. Well, you're like blind spot Spencer. I don't know. Think about it. But I mean, it's like it was like sometimes when like Spencer and Toby are making out, is she like running the the permutations through her head about how Toby could still be guilty, and this is like mm-hmm. her ultimate move. Mm-hmm. Um. So they find an address on a piece of paper. Oh, it's uh, on the, the receipt. The receipt, sorry. Yeah. It's for Smitty's, and the street uh, is somewhere in Philadelphia. So Spencer suggests, let's go there after school. So she'll go there with Arya. The other chicks have stuff to do. And which makes sense, because only Spencer and Arya are real. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, All right, well, it's time to talk about Arya, I think. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, so... We really start off the Aria section with they're at school, by lockers. Aria is, she's Aria. She's telling Spencer about how she almost got caught trying to contact Ezra and she played it off by making a date with Holden. And so Spencer's not really paying attention to her until she kind of like registers something and she turns to her and she's like, Holden? Holden Strauss? <laughs> well, and Spencer, she's still clearly shipping Ezra at this point, you know. For at least another like 45 seconds. Anyways. Exactly. But so then, then Holden shows up. Yeah. Holden, this guy, who in my notes from this point on is referred to as fucking Holden. Oh, um, Holden isn't nearly as bad as like Lucas, though. No, but Holden, he's got like the face of like a forty-five-year-old man with some kind of like Benjamin Button disease. He has like a vague, like shitty grin too. Yeah, he does. He does. I mean, he's a bro. 
but like he seems like he I don't know if this not even it's not smoking it's a not a grin day. it's more it's like a shitty smile you know like like but like if it was a genetic defect mm-hmm. uh so as Spencer and Arya walk away from their walkers Holden walks up and Spencer oh, wait, wait, real quick sorry oh, sorry, sorry. I, I just want to throw this in because again Holden's just back from Portugal I want to point out that I love that Spencer is disgusted that Arya would attempt to call Ezra from her own phone. She's like, what are you, an like, idiot? <laughs> like, that is that is just poor spycraft. All right, yeah. bad form. Yeah, sorry, 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 continue. <laughs> so, so Spencer asks Holden, she's like, oh, how was your year abroad? And she has the most intense, crazy look on her face when yeah. she asks this question. Yeah. Like, her eyes are bugging out. She's, like, leaning in, like, two inches away from his face when she asks it. I, if I were holding, I was like involuntarily taking about three steps back and been like, uh, it was okay. <laughs> what the fuck? I, <laughs> I think there's, I don't know, maybe a thousand, a thousand and one reasons why you absolutely want to be friends with Spencer Hastings. Mm-hmm. This is like reason number 755 is that like her, her test to see if you're good enough to ask out her friend. Is something like this. Something well, like praying mantis look. Well, it's like Spencer has very briefly given all of her attention to you and so you better you'd better perform you know yeah, yeah. how was your year abroad stare all yeah. of the weight of the universe is upon your shoulders you could die right now mm-hmm. um so holden ballsy i mm-hmm. give him this he asked aria out in front of spencer that is uh that's a confident ballsy move yeah doing it in front of the friend yeah well, so I, obviously this guy had, like hasn't been going to real high schools for a while because uh but it gets weirder though because Arya is just like well you know sorry you know polite shoot down i'm well, grounded well as like huh. as, as as holden's asking Arya out spencer is quietly standing next to Arya, just slowly losing her shit as she's watching this <laughs> she's like looking at Arya, looking at holden looking at Arya, like trying not to say anything like squirming like making yeah. hilarious expressions so yeah, Arya's just like you know. I'm sorry. I'm 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 grounded. You know, and Holden's just like, really? Your dad seemed to think this was okay. And Spencer's like, what the fuck? Well, and Oren Arya's like thinking like, oh, are my parents trying to set us up? And he's just like, no, no. I called to ask him permission. And then Spencer, she finally can't take it anymore. She says, what? Who even does that anymore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, quick pause again. Sorry, I'm sorry to be this guy, but mm. Arya's outfit. Oh, you know, sometimes I just, I don't even see them. They're so insane. So she go ahead and describe it. Dressed like a sexy Soviet nymphette. <laughs> she looks like a Russian pop star. There's like some kind of fuzzy vest and like a, a locket that I think might actually just be like a, like a locker lock, you know, like full of Ezra she's, semen. She's wearing this weird fuzzy, like, like comrade hat. <laughs> Uh, it, I I just I lost my mind. I was like, "There's no way a normal person." I mean, Spencer's looking very preppy, chic, and Arya is looking like she like the, the third member of Tattoo over here. <laughs> um, and Spencer's like, "What? Who even does that anymore?" And yeah. Holden explains that his parents wanted to be very old fashioned, and that after this conversation's over, he'll have to write Spencer a note, like thanking her for it. Uh, subtle, dry reference that only you'll get. The most politest man in France. Exactly. Um, Holden is laying on the quote-unquote charm here, and we find out that way back when in the day, Arya dared him to eat glue. Well, so Arya, she, Arya makes it weird. Like, she goes directly to the, wait, is this a date? <laughs> and, and he's like, hey, sure. 
you know and spencer at this point like she literally turns around she can't even watch anymore <laughs> like she has to look in the other direction to make her weird faces i just i just want to say with like time travel murder mystery we have to come up with whatever the titles would be but you know, mm-hmm. with the pll podcast we just take the episode title but if this was separately titled it would be called aria makes it weird <laughs> that'd be the title of a lot of episodes but yeah um, so they're like Arya's like worried about like their preschool history, but she agrees to go anyway. Yeah, their prehistory, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he suggests dinner and a movie, and she finally agrees. And so he leaves because he's got what he wants. And well, he smart. suggests dinner and a movie, and she kind of like somehow it's I, I can't remember exactly who suggests or like takes control of this, but like Arya will come up with what they're going to do. Like that's like her court, which is a little weird for a date. So usually the guy has to do that. Yes and no, but you're dating one of these liars. Um, yeah, true. So he's smart enough about, I hate to be praising Holden because I hate him, but <laughs> he's smart enough that he's got what he wants. Mm-hmm. All he can do is ruin it by sticking around and talking. <laughs> he just walks he away. Yeah, so Arya then watches him go and she's just like, how weird was that? I was using him as my alibi and now he's asking me out. And Spencer's like, he likes you. He likes you. You're cute and he likes you. Yeah. So now, now Spencer's like shipping Holden and Arya. Yeah, yeah, she's like Ezra, who? Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind yeah. of world that Arya lives in, though, where she tells a fantastic lie and then it just becomes true on its own. Arya's dating life is some kind of like Japanese bullet train of ridiculousness. Like shit comes and goes sometimes, and you, it's fast. Do you remember the bit from Cryptonomicon where uh, it was late in the book where? It's talking about how the guy, his grand, his grandfather, when he he knew he was dying, went out and paid all the local mechanics in town to keep his grandmother's car uh, in tune and like oil change and whatnot. And so the the grandmother never knew it. It was just like she never needed to like get service for the car mm. and just figured that that's how cars worked, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The grandfather taking care of it. I feel like that's like Arya's life, only without even like the male suitor like doing things. It's like stuff just happens. It's good for her. That, you know, it's like, I told this huge lie, and then it just came true, and so I'll just keep continuing to lie. Exactly. Arya, for all she knows, everyone else at the school is at a normal high school, and she's at some kind of magical fucking Hogwarts, mm-hmm. where, like, she controls <laughs> where, reality. Where things happen in the rain in slow motion when she's, she wants She can to. say to, to random men that if you ever cared about me... Yeah. <laughs> also, by the way, that's two Neil Stevenson references in a three-minute span. People were dropping knowledge on you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like later on, this this next scene is adorable. The next, like they're like a little quad break area, and Arya's on her phone, like a furrowed brow, and Spencer shows up. <laughs> well, this is another great example here. Where, like Spencer's trying to uh, look up something on her phone, she can't get like good cell service, and meanwhile Arya's buying tickets for some play that she knows that Ezra already has tickets to. Because her her plan, her horrible, awful, mean plan is to this is a terrible take, plan. take Holden on a date to the play that she know Ezra will be at, so she can run into Ezra there. This is a plan in which no matter how it goes down, everybody loses, mm-hmm. and that's where that's Arya's sweet spot. Well, there's this whole thing where like Arya's like she's having no troubles using the internet on her phone, but Spencer is, and so they like they are, Spencer makes her switch seats. And like her phone still won't work, and so then Arya just takes her phone, and like she has like the magical internet touch where like it works for Arya when she uses Spencer's phone. Well, and I love that Spencer. She wants that good reception first, and then she'll listen to some more of Arya's like melodrama bullshit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Ezra's probably going to go to this Arthur Miller play, and so Arya's hoping to run into him there. Dot 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 with her date, and 
she actually uses the word fate <laughs> here, which in my notes, I know that I'm talking about this scene because in my notes, I just wrote, oh, honey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the fact that Ari is like, like somehow better at the technology has got to be infuriating to Spencer. But then yeah. it was... The well, next change in 20 well, minutes, they gotta get going. Yeah, well then Arya, she pretends to care about dicking Holden over like this. Uh, pretends, but, yeah. but then she's like, am I doing the right thing? Oh wait, no, that's later, I'm sorry. Skipping ahead. But yeah, she's pretending, <laughs> pretending to care about what she's doing, but it's not that much. just revealed the constant inner monologue of Arya of, am I doing the right thing? Sure. You're Arya. Do whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> so You'll feel bad about it later, maybe. Yeah, maybe. They'll feel great. Maybe. Uh, Arya and Spencer are in Philadelphia. And again, I just can't get over that. Arya just looks like an escaped, like, Soviet, like, teenage star yeah. or some kind. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll save most of the other part of this here for Spencer. But yeah, so when she's with Spencer in Philly, she again asks Spencer if she's doing the right thing. And Spencer is apparently back to shipping Ezra, Ezra now because she's like, yeah. yes, you're being bold and romantic. <laughs> well, I have, I have Arya stuff here up to that point Arya leaves. Basically, we find out that Smitty's is a newsstand, which is where the receipt was from. Um, they're kind of curious because Spencer's parents work here in the city in Philadelphia. Melissa's condo is about 10 blocks away. What could all this mean? Um, blah, blah, blah. Arya has to bounce because she has to go meet Holden in a couple hours. Yeah. We, so, we, can get, we can get back to the other details of that scene with Spencer. Well, I just want to say that real quick. Spencer tells Arya that she's proud of her for taking a chance and being a bold <laughs> romantic, which no, she's not. She's but, being yeah. horrible. But in Spencer's mind, that's what being romantic is. Spencer Spencer is devoting like sixty-five to maybe seventy-five percent of her brain power towards the mystery mm-hmm. of this show. The rest, she's really not paying attention to a lot of the details of the well, other girls, you know, quote unquote personal lives. Spencer's like uh, ideal boyfriend is really just somebody who's like there when she needs them and never otherwise. You know? Like and potentially probably not the greatest person to ask for romantic advice. If I was going to write really ridiculous Spencer fanfic, her ultimate boyfriend would be Commander Data with abs. Only he's only around when she needs him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so they're going to see the view from a bridge with Holden. Well, well real quick. So, I, I kind of cover from from both girls' perspectives later, but uh, there is a quick scene with uh, Hannah's. Let's talk or, about that in Hannah's bit. Well, because the Arya stuff is so bizarre here. No, no, we we touch on it in Hannah, so it's, it's more of a okay. Hannah thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so they're going to meet at some kind of playhouse, Holden and Arya. Um, I have to say, Arya looks f- pretty in this scene. She looks lovely. I mean, she, no, she, she looks, looks like great. a normal teenage girl. She looks fantastic. Uh, Holden is dressed like a douchebag, as usual. Arya always looks great when she's got the hair up. That's like her secret yeah. weapon. Hair up and like the shoulders are out. Yeah. Um, they're going to go see Arthur Miller's A View from the Bridge. And so Holden at one point, he's trying to be deprecating and he's just like, so why are you so like, like incredibly grounded? And she's, her response is, I'm, I'm you, you, mean, here. you mean punished, not uh, grounded in reality. Cause well, obviously, she's not, she's, obviously she's not incredibly grounded in reality. No, no, no. Cause her grounding is ridiculous. I mean, oh, I, I, I was I, grounded. I, I'm talking nothing. grounding in the sense of punishment, not uh, you're you're very realistic and. Oh no no know. no! Yeah, Arya is insane. <laughs> you're incredibly <laughs> grounded, Arya. Oh, I thank you. For a girl who is five two, her head is massive. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, I mean like she's supposedly grounded by her parents. But well, I remember when I was grounded in high school, and it looked nothing like Arya's yeah. life. Or and I was just like, oh, never mind. Well, she's basically like, lol. Maybe when you're older, Junior. Mm. <laughs> you know? 
Well, then Holden, uh, Holden brought some gummy bears, just like they used to eat at their playdates in preschool. It's just, you're making it weird, Holden. Like, you yeah. don't, you don't need to keep bringing up how, like, you guys used to, like, you know, look at each other's buttholes when you're six years old. Yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's, he's really striving. It, it, Holden's a weird character. Was, I guess you could kind of read as a viewer in this particular moment that he's striving for this kind of preset romance thing. Because yeah. he, I could see where, like, if you didn't hate this actor so much and he was, wasn't so uncharismatic, this could actually be a sweet moment. But Arya is just like, gummy bears, thanks. Where's Ezra? You know, well, she, so. She takes the gummy bears and she's like, I need to get the tickets. And she does the thing where she kind of like, like just kind of hits him on the shoulder with the gummy bears as she walks past. Like, I guess that's supposed to be endearing, but it seems so dismissive. Yeah, yeah. Well, because this guy is about eight years too young for Arya. He's yeah. her age. Mm-hmm. He's about eight years too young. Um, so she goes and gets. You know, her tickets from the box office. And then she double checks that there are two tickets under Ezra's name and they haven't been collected yet because she's pretty sure that he should have been here by now to pick them up. And then she turns around and there's Ezra getting out of a cab. This, this moment is magical because from Arya's perspective, she looks so happy to see him and he has a look on his face. That to me, if there were subtitles, it would have said, "Oh shit, I have a tiny asshole, and it will get obliterated in prison." Oh fuck! So this is what I wrote in my notes. I just wrote Ezra Colon looks terrified. Arya Colon is glowing in slow motion. Yeah, like like on Ezra's side, he's just like like he probably just shit his pants. You know, he's just like, oh, yeah. you know, like as soon as he sees her, it's like a pure panic. And on Arya's side. It's like, uh, it reminded me of like Closer, the movie when like, like mm-hmm. Natalie Portman's walking yeah, in slow motion, exactly, you know, exactly. like Arya's, she's walking in slow motion warmer, as yeah. the, yeah, warmer and her hair is blowing just a little and she looks, you know, fantastic. And, and then cut back to Ezra just like swallowing like some vomit, probably he's <laughs> trying he's to the, smile. <laughs> he's just like, he's like praying for like an aneurysm. He's praying that a car will careen onto the sidewalk <laughs> and hit him. I mean, there is no way, I'm sorry, there's no way that we are misreading this. This is pure cold dread on his face. <laughs> but on Arya's side, it's just all fucking magical. Yeah, she looks fantastic. Like, she looks like she could not be more, like, in love. Um, then Holden, as he's keen to do, jumps in to ruin the moment with the lady who, I don't remember her name from season one. I always remembered her as Cockblock Teacher. Yeah, her. Because she wasn't she the lady who always Cockblock Ella back in season one? Cockblock and Teacher. Uh, what is her name? Mrs. Welch. Right, right, right. But wasn't she. I want to say if we went back and listened to the podcast, I want to say she's like cock blocking Ella at one point in season one. Kind of. I mean, she's like definitely, her, it's like the same actress we've seen a few times. Like her name might as well be like Mrs. Third Wheel. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So she shows up with Holden there and she's so excited. Blah, blah, blah. Young people coming to the theater. Uh, and Arya is just like looking over at Ezra as Ezra's going to the box office to pick up his tickets. And it's just funny is there's this great moment, which I wonder what the teenage fans of the show think, because, uh, uh, Mrs. Cockblock is like telling Holden what this play is about. And as Arya is like staring longingly at Ezra, she's just like, this play is full of misplaced passion. <laughs> LOL. And Holden notices that Arya keeps looking over at Ezra here. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think it's funny because sometimes it's like, are we just inferring what's not really there? But like the way that was shot there with Ezra looking panicked and Arya looking like it was everything was fucking magical. It's like the the show creators know what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. They're they're putting in that romantic moment for like the teens who watch a show. But if you're really paying attention, it's pretty clear that Arya is like pretty fucking insane right now. And it's yeah, yeah, and and yeah, I mean it's it's funny because you know we're men in our thirties watching the show, mm-hmm. and we we're, like Arya. We're bros who watch PLL too. Wink at the camera. We like Arya a lot, but at the same time. We kind of have to sympathize with Ezra because this is, this is the, uh, like, do not pass, like, go, you were going straight to jail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so later on at intermission, Holden and Arya are outside talking to, uh, Mrs. Welch some more. And Arya is just completely blatantly not paying attention to the conversation at all and, like, looking around, looking behind her. And she has this very vacant look on her face that's just slightly scornful, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And uh, meanwhile, the teacher is saying uh, about, oh, I thought you kids just like the YouTubes or whatever. And, and Holden's like, you'd be surprised if some students are actually able to connect with the real world. Meanwhile, Arya like looks behind her again, you know, looks the yeah. other way, not paying attention to the conversation at all. Yeah, like a horny, vengeful animal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, Mrs. Welch basically mentions that, oh, my, I'm here with my good buddy Ezra, Ezra Fitz, who had to leave, you know, <laughs> said because he of Arya. Said he wasn't feeling well. <laughs> had yeah. to go home. And Arya, she just, like, she's telling us Arya, and Arya, like, she doesn't even respond. She just stares ahead, like, dying inside as she hears this this news that uh, Ezra felt sick and had to go home. There's a part of me that really wants to to engage in the experiment where, like, somehow we record an episode of the show with, like, a teenage girl, like, the prime fan base of the show, just to see, like... You know, like when you watch like, the debates on CNN and the actor <laughs> thing, when people pressing the buttons, like, what are we getting out of this that are not? All right, uh, the, the kind of blank stare on Arya's face, it reminded me a little of the scene in Boogie Nights when uh, the colonel wants to see Dirk's piece and mm. he just kind of stares at it, like mouth open. That's, mm, that's okay, what it reminded okay. me of, yeah. I thought you were going to go for a very timely Philip Seymour Hoffman reference there. I just don't have one in relation to Arya. Fucking idiot. Arya yeah, slamming um, her head against the car. <laughs> Fucking idiot. That's, that's funny. We should be in a band. Mm-hmm. Um, so later, after presumably after the play is over, uh, Ella, uh, Ella's about to pick them up. Holden and Arya are, are making chit-chat. Holden's suggesting coffee. And Holden reveals that he is deduced that this whole time, this was all about Arya wanting to see Ezra. And Arya's like, what? You can tell that? Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, Arya dogs sleeping in alleys can like see what you're up to. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Arya apologizes, but he's weirdly cool with this. He's like, I've got secrets too. Uh, and he well, basically sees this as an opportunity for them to perhaps cover for each other in the future. Yeah, yeah. But so, so at one point, he's just like, Well, how long have you two been seeing each other? And Arya is just like, A while. Which I'm thinking like five months. months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that. But so, yeah, Arya wants to apologize. He's like, No, no apologize by like you know telling me whether or not you're free next friday dot 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 well aria you should really be a little bit suspicious right now right right most dudes when they're like hey i i took this chick on a date it turns out she was using me to see if some other guy was going to be there some other guy who's also much older yeah yeah And, and his response is to be like no that's cool we can use this to like keep secrets from our parents in the future 
The thing about Arya is that she's her wheelhouse is victims. That's what Arya craves. She needs more victims. She doesn't need people who view her chaos as an opportunity. Well, she's she's once again like something's been handed to her on a platter as a solution to any potential problems. She's not gonna look that gift horse in the mouth. She's gonna be like, okay, yeah, exactly, that exactly. works. <laughs> it makes perfect Arya sense mm-hmm. in the Arya world. Um, so speaking of Arya, let's talk about Hannah. Let's talk about Hannah. Uh, eventually, Hannah from calling Lucas's parents find out that Lucas has called his parents, but he's still not home. Right. He's still not home. So he's not like uh, dead. This is this is actually before that one scene at Spencer's house. This is in the morning in the Marin kitchen where Ashley's like make like pouring coffee for Hannah and Emily. And so Hannah tells Ashley this and Ashley instantly takes the parent angle. She's worried about Lucas's parents and what they must be thinking. And then she instantly goes to the was there drinking at this party? Well, and she's like, you know, there was this party that my daughter threw that their kid disappeared at. And then, quote unquote, I should at least take some responsibility for that. <laughs> exactly. Um, and, and, and then Ashley turns to her box of wine and is like, what do you think, box of wine? Am I responsible? And the box of wine's like, hell no, Ashley Marin, you go, girl. You're fabulous. Skip work today and drink me. Um, I don't know why the box of wine got so <laughs> ethnic there. Um, so, uh, Ashley can sense that Hannah's being distant, but when Hannah's being distant, ain't nobody touching that. So, mm-hmm. uh, Emily's gotten really good at lying to Ashley at this point that, oh, we've yeah. got to go to Spencer's because we've got to work on a group presentation, which is not technically a lie. Yeah, they're just presenting stuff that's not for school. <laughs> exactly. So that's when we get the scene about the burner phones, etc. Uh, mm-hmm. so then later at school, Hannah and Mona are walking and talking, like it's a Sorkin thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Mona is complaining about her problems that Noel said it was for a chem lab thing, but the whole time of Caleb's quote unquote party, sh- he was on the phone of somebody. Yeah, he was on the phone of someone like all night at that party. Yeah. And, and acting sketchy. I, do I do it now or do I do it later? I gotta talk about the ladies' fashion in this scene. Cause I normally don't oh, talk go, about it. Go ahead. Mona is dressed like the sexiest hippie love child ever. <laughs> and Hannah is, is, She's not, I don't want to say she's dressed like Madonna, but like, remember like those eighties movies where like the, the teenage characters were clearly inspired by Madonna's fashion. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's what these two women were. I mean, yeah, they I remember clearly, the eighties, which were clearly inspired by Madonna. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like these two ladies robbed Aria's closet for the clothes that even Aria wasn't going to wear. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, H- Hannah looks decent i mean like i had to dig hard to like be like what the hell is hannah wearing here but like mona looks ludicrous to me but it's, it's mona's, so mona mona's just pretty, hot she's pretty stressed right now no con she feels like she's he's getting away he's acting sketchy and and she's telling hannah this and hannah's like sorry i was like busy with other drama didn't notice you know yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Mona's basically gone back to her very earthy roots. And she looks like she needs to have like a drum circle, like immediately nearby. But, um, yeah, Mona doesn't want to hear any more of this shit about Lucas because she's losing Noel. Well, and she's <laughs> and like, so, look, Lucas sucks. Like, let me point yeah. out all the ways that he sucks and how he ruined that party. Um, yeah. and then she's got to take it back to how, like, she's worried she's losing Noel. That's why she took him skinny dipping. Keeps um, attention. Yeah. But Hannah's not really paying attention to this because she sees some dude walking by with her homecoming photo that was like framed and like up in like, you know, the hall somewhere. Which uh, is such a great metaphor, I think. Yeah. And it's like, 
It's basically, it's like, well, sorry, now that you're like a criminal who's like doing the, you know, like work crew time, like you can't get your homecoming picture hung This up. guy, this guy reminds me of the, uh, I don't remember, I don't know the character's name on Community. I know the guy exactly, who yeah. Was, Garrett, you know, was, I think. Yeah, Garrett, who always screams yeah. things out like, it's a bear dance! Yeah, this guy is just like, you didn't hear it from me. But glee, glee, glee. The You're principal trash. doesn't think yeah. Yeah, the tiaras and jumpsuits aren't a good fit. To which Mona screams, "She's not giving up the crown." <laughs> but then Mona notices that uh, Hannah hasn't been paying attention to anything she said about Noel, and like she starts getting pretty pissed. And she's like, "Look, I listened to your endless bullshit about Caleb. Like, uh, this is like the one time I like need you to listen to me, and you're being really selfish." Yeah, exactly. And exactly. so Hannah runs away to the bathroom to cry. And then somebody comes into the bathroom when she's in the stall, and so she has to, like, cry silently. Mm-hmm. Poor Hannah. Yeah, but somebody's in that bathroom with her. And they're, and they're making suspicious noises. As we cut back later, Hannah's, like, still hiding in the stall, like, kind of peeking out. And finally she's like, is there anyone there? And then, like, water starts leaking into the stall on the ground. And so she she leaves the stall and sees that the sink is overflowing with mm-hmm. water and there's a little rowboat with two oars in the sink it's like a, the sink's really big uh wonderful crafting by a here to- i want to say yeah that somebody was a absolutely wonderful visual motif here it gets ruined because a then texts hannah to say life is but a dream hannah and i'm your nightmare not Which the greatest line yeah, not your best work, eh? Mm-hmm. Not your best. I mean, you had a really great thing going here, and you kind of stepped on it. Well, number one, it should have been written like in lipstick on the mirror in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. And and the I just yeah, not the greatest work. Maybe A was in a hurry or something. Life is but a dream, <laughs> Hannah. Like, eh. yeah, yeah. I mean, is this like a row row your boat? I guess it's a row your boat metaphor. Whatever. <laughs> um. So later, we're in Hannah's kitchen. And Caleb is telling Hannah about life at Lucas's house <laughs> of late, and it's awkward and weird because it's Lucas super isn't awkward. There. Yeah, yeah. Lucas isn't there, but uh, he keeps calling his parents, but he doesn't want to talk to Caleb, and so Caleb is worried. Like, you know, even though obviously there's been some clear weirdness between these guys over Hannah, he wants to uh, go looking for them, go looking mm-hmm. for him. And Hannah, well, in old first, Caleb says that. Uh, Lucas told his parents that he was at his cousin's house, but Caleb called the cousin and like he's like the dude is obviously covering for him. I know a lie when I hear it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And actual Hannah's, bad guys, and, yeah, actual bad guys. And, and so he wants to go find Caleb, or Caleb wants to go find Lucas, and Hannah's just not. She's not that eager. She's like, oh, I'm sure he'll find come home when he wants to. And Caleb's just like, why don't you want to find him? Like, what the fuck's going on? You know. Exactly. Exactly. Because Caleb, Caleb pontificates that perhaps Lucas has gone, like, doubled back to Spencer's lake house. Mm-hmm. And so eventually, because of his questioning, Hannah's just like, are you calling me a liar? Which I just thought to myself, take a shot. Yeah. Um, well, and then Caleb, he, he says, you're not being honest with me. Uh, and they, they have an interesting fight. Like, you can tell all the lies Hannah's constantly telling Caleb are taking their toll. Because it's like, it's like, he's not calling her a liar, but it's very clear that she's lying to him. And she's yeah. not telling him the full truth about a lot of shit. And so he eventually just bounces. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as he bounces, uh, or after he bounces, Hannah gets a text from Mona that just says, need to talk. Poor Mona. Yeah. So later on, Hannah's still staying at home because she can't hang out with Caleb or Mona for various reasons. 
right. Mona because she's pissed at her, and Caleb because uh, you know she basically it's like she can't even be in the same room with Caleb right now because he's gonna want to know things that uh, she right. can't she can't tell Caleb or warn him about Lucas at all without all sorts of other shit coming up. So she's just gotta like stay away, uh, kind of push him away, but she regrets pushing him away. Yeah. And, uh, and and also Arya and, and Emily are here talking to Hannah about this. It's a dark and stormy night. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're skipping over uh, a scene of Emily and Hannah, but we'll get to the Emily sequence. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's a dark and stormy night. Presumably, for the moment, Hannah's home alone. Um, Arya and Emily, for some reason, are about to go out on their nights with their current significant others, mm-hmm. and they're staging it. Well, I guess Emily lives there, but Arya is staging it from Hannah's house. Um, Hannah thinks that Lucas is now out there waiting for her. Yeah. And I like that Arya, it's, you know, Arya, she's, she's so incredibly selfish, but when she does do anything for other people, it, it feels like so wonderful and genuine. You're just like, oh, wow, you do that for me, you know? Cause she's, uh, she says, well, you know what? Let me cancel with Holden. I'll stay here with you, you know? Do you want to talk about the fake ID thing here or later? Uh, do that for Emily Singh. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, yeah, I'm, I was like, I was even more, I mean, beyond the soup and the aspirin, I was even more like suspicious when Aria offered to cancel her date because for starters, she did use the word fate, mm-hmm. but Aria doesn't know, walk away from fate. Aria and Hannah, they're BFS or doppelgangers. They're the same person, you know? True, 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 true. She will, Hannah, she will occasionally do something selfless for a friend. And Hannah herself. did go out of her way to go to Hollis and tell Ezra that, hey, OTP, bro. OTP. Yeah. Um, Big brownie points. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, later uh, on, after Emily and, and Ari have left, Hannah is, uh, she's like leaving messages for Caleb on his phone. She's sitting on the stairs, mm-hmm. leaving voicemails. That's like an instant teenage girl metaphor that things are bad. It's raining and you're on the stairs. You're sitting on the stairs. And Ashley, she has a brief conversation with Ashley where Ashley's like, is anything wrong? And Hannah's like, no, of course not. I'm just, you know, being weird and emo on the stairs. And so Ashley's yeah. going to go take a bath. Exactly. With wine. <laughs> yes. Hell yes, Ash. You take me to the bath with these. I don't know where the. <laughs> what what is that voice even coming from? That was like <laughs> almost <laughs> southern for a second. It's an, it's a mm-hmm. urban southern box of wine, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so she's leaving Caleb another voicemail, and I think Hannah's potentially the best girlfriend mm-hmm. of all the four liars because she's telling Caleb, like, you know, I understand that you might still be mad at me, and it's it's it makes a lot of sense that you would be mad at me, <laughs> but it's dark and it's rainy, and I'm worried about you, and I'm worried about you being out there. So basically, just text me. Go ahead and be pissed at me, but yeah. text me, tell me you're okay. Yeah, which. It's super infuriating whenever you're trying to get a hold of someone and they won't even give you that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and she's basically giving him permission, by all means, still be angry at me. Mm-hmm. And, and she's kind of applying, maybe you should be. But, yeah. And then there's some noises at the back door. Hannah goes to the back door. It's open. Wind is blowing in. So she has to shut it, and, like, the latch seems to be broken. It won't shut all the way. Uh, right. But she gets it shut as much as she can. She doesn't notice the muddy footprints on the floor. Which, just quick spoiler, those are Lucas's footprints. And like, fucking a, Lucas, like wipe your feet. Yeah, you just imagine pay. he tracked that like all the way upstairs on the white carpet. I mean, well, for yeah, starters, you weren't invited into this house. Uh-huh. You're breaking in, 
And you can't wipe your fucking feet, you monster. Yeah. What a cr- <laughs> so then there's a Hannah goes upstairs and there's a Ashley calls from the bathroom and says, Hannah, where did you put my bath salts? <laughs> Which, yeah, LOL. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a nice gateway drug. Mm-hmm. Um, so while while Hannah is in the hallway, like responding to her mom, I love her response is just like, what did she say? Like, did you check near the faucet or whatever? Like, yeah. <laughs> did you did you check where there always are? <laughs> you drug addict. Um, we see somebody in a black hoodie scramble to Hannah's room. Spoiler: It's Lucas. We're gonna find out five seconds later that it is indeed Lucas. Ashley just wants to lie back in her bath and do some bath salts. It's just. Hallucinate and freak out. For that had a long day at the bank. Got sexually harassed by at least three different of her bosses, and you know exactly, exactly. She reports to seven different people. At least five of them are married. At least six of them are trying to sleep with her. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's at the point where her her box of wine is talking to her, sometimes <laughs> in a southern accent, sometimes in a slightly racistly urban accent. Um. So yeah, it's Lucas in her room. Hannah pulls the "Don't come any closer." God, fucking Lucas. And the, the whole stupid thing here is that what Lucas actually has to confess is so retardedly dumb. That it's like... Well, they're playing... First of all, they're playing the whole... All the tropes of the woman being terrorized. Yeah. Like the thriller thing. Caleb's downstairs. Hannah's like like slyly like calling him from upstairs with the phone like well, hidden from lucas who's on the phone he, he lucas, barks at her. lucas leads off with i never wanted to hurt you hannah <laughs> yeah yeah and so then yeah we cut to see caleb has just showed up downstairs and he sees like the kind of weird broken door that won't shut all the way and hannah has like called him on speed dial from like the, the you know house phone and so now caleb he's hearing it and running upstairs as Caleb, or upstairs, Lucas is freaking out at Hannah, saying all sorts of crazy shit. Yeah. And Caleb, you know, he kind of matches Hannah in that he's obviously the best boyfriend of any of the uh, mm-hmm. weirdo men on this show. Um, yeah, so he starts to... Caleb's... Or Lucas well, Lucas is nonsense. A lot of, uh, I don't want to lose you, and all this, like, bullshit, where it's like, you guys don't really have that kind of relationship, bro. You know, um, but Caleb, he shows up and Hannah runs over to him and it's like, all right, Lucas, it's time to fucking say what you're going to say. And mm-hmm. so it turns out that Ca- Lucas lost Caleb's money betting on sports online. Caleb had given him a bunch of cash to put in his checking account to hold on to it for him while he went uh, to see his mom. And yeah. Lucas got caught up, caught up sports betting on the NCAA tournament and lost some money. God, Lu- Lucas thing. fucking sucks. So it's a sure thing. His team got disqualified and it threw his bracket off. Yeah, which that's a terrible way to even try to gamble. I mean, sports betting is stupid in general. Betting on the NCAA tournament, like a bracket in particular, is fucking dumb. Um, Lucas is stupid in general. Yeah, he's he wants to make everything right, so he's been driving all over the East Coast the past few days, selling his comic collection to pay yeah. Caleb back. Well, I like how Caleb is pissed, but he's in control enough to just be like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> Yeah, like you can tell he's reining in. Like he's mad, but at the same time, he's just like, "God, this fucking loser." Caleb is a you know like a sixteen, seventeen year old man who's fully in check of his masculinity. Mm-hmm. Well, um, when you're dating Hannah Marin and you and you punch your V card with her, I, I feel like you're pretty confident about yourself. 
we just high fived. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lucas, you know, he, he kind of gets the, you know, like Jesus fine you yeah. know, from Caleb. And so then Lucas says, Hannah, please say something in that kind of whiny voice of his. And Hannah, I love this line. Hannah's just like, you're not who I thought you were, which is devastating and accurate and true. Mm-hmm. Caleb's like, we'll work it out. I'm like, Jesus, like, chill the fuck out. You know? Yeah. But Hannah's, you're not who I thought you were. <sighs> oh, Lucas, you suck so much. So much overreaction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much. Um, That's why you don't have reaction. There's Emily. Then there's Emily. Oh, I just noticed in my notes I called her Moya instead of Maya. <laughs> <laughs> so Moya calls true. Emily. Pretending to be somebody calling the crisis hotline. Yeah. And like, and then like trying to like make it dirty and flirty. And I feel like Emily is just like, wow, good one. Here's the thing about Maya. She's a fucking creepy weirdo. <laughs> um, so they're going to go see a band tonight, some band that Maya likes. Uh, who guesses on the band? So it's not Passion Pit because that's, that's a uh, Paige's choice. Uh, something, I don't know, something terrible because fuck Maya. Mm-hmm. Um, Maya's like in her room as she's talking to Emily. She gets an incoming like call. Mars. She ignores. Wasn't any Bruno Mars at the time. Uh, yeah, there wasn't any Bruno Mars at the time. Um, Maya gets an incoming call that she ignores. And, uh, Maya lets Emily know that she needs some fake IDs. They need some fake IDs for what's going to go down tonight. Emily, um, Emily will hook that shit up. Which I kind of thought, I wrote in my notes, parentheses, it's kind of too bad they're not going to that weird country western bar that Paige took her to, because <laughs> clearly you didn't need any kind of IDs, the karaoke of those, like, like 30-year-old lesbians. Yeah, I think you just need to be a lesbian. Exactly. That, that was your identification. But they, they run some kind of, like, security scanner over you and tell it which way you swing, and you're good. Mm-hmm. Drinks are on the house. Yeah, um... So later, well, b- before we go to later, there's an interesting detail I want to point out. Because in the previous lease for this episode, you got that scene from a few episodes back where Maya was just like, yeah, so let's just like take this slow. I don't want to like commit to anything yet. I need to like figure out if, uh, you know, who we are with each other. But in this, Maya calls Emily my girl, which. Yeah, they're fully committed. Well, it's like, well, what happened, Maya? <laughs> yeah. This is how Maya operates. Yeah, mm-hmm. so later. Uh, Emily is showing Maya around her like crisis hotline HQ. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Maya's uh, getting pretty handsy. Like Emily's like Here, Emily's yeah. like here's the phone, and Maya like grabs the phone and touches her hand at the same time. <laughs> and Emily's not necessarily adverse though. There's a PDA mm-hmm. here. Um, then Maya gets this like weird text that like has this like, strange effect on her, and so instead she doesn't of hide instead of leaving back. together. She's like, oh, why don't I like meet you later for this date we're going to go on? Yeah, yeah. I'll get some dinner. I'll meet you at your house. Um, I'm going to act like this is cool, even though I just stared at my phone and looked like my world ended for 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Like making sure you know that something strange is happening right here. Yeah. Um, and so then Emily goes to talk to Hannah about this at Hannah's place. And it's like, it's pretty obvious that Maya's keeping something from her about these like calls and weird texts that she's getting and that they're pretty clearly upsetting her, but it's like what to do because Maya's like acting cool about it. And of course, Hannah right now is not in the mood to uh, defend that sort of behavior because she likes to keep secrets as well. 
from her boyfriend. Well, she says, she barks at Emily, why isn't anyone allowed to have a damn secret? Mm-hmm. Um, and Emily is is pretty cognizant of the world she lives in here. She's she's flat out like worried that it's A, who's going after Maya. Mm-hmm. And Hannah is a little bit sour towards her, mentions that she got in this fight with Caleb. Um, and then this is this weird exchange where Hannah's like, it sucks being the girlfriend who knows too much. And Emily's like, it sucks being the girlfriend who doesn't know enough. Yeah. Well, Hannah's like, yeah, you're just paranoid and, and that maybe Maya's doing it for Emily's own good. And Emily's not super thrilled with that sort of explanation. Yeah. So later, well, we should talk about, okay. So the dark and stormy night sequence where, uh, uh Arya and Emily are over, like preparing to off their nights and w- with Hannah. Arya, yeah. yeah. With Hannah and Arya is bringing over her fake ID to give to Emily. <laughs> um, and Arya's like, I thought you had your own fake ID. And Emily's like, no, no, no. I need your ID for Maya. And Arya is just like, wait a second. I don't look anything like Maya, you know? Well, and so Emily grabs it. I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Cause I love this exchange. No, go ahead. Go ahead. She's just like, she looks at the ID and she's like, you're five, two and you're brunette. Just like Maya. Perfect. <laughs> well, and then, and then it comes out that this is for some bar in Jersey. And Arya's like, Oh, it's in Jersey. Oh, you'll be fine then. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Because those fucking mutants in Jersey, they don't care about IDs. Exactly. Something, 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 Chris Christie. Mm-hmm. Um, so later, Emily and Meyer are in line for this like club slash concert thing. And Maya gets another weird text. And Emily is finally like, so, what's going on, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Maya... But, yeah, Emily is basically like, what kind of ratchet shit are you up to over here? Because <laughs> this is ridiculous. And so Maya admits that uh, she hooked up with someone when she was away at that uh, camp. It was like a quick thing, and she ended it, but uh, she's like still getting texts. And Emily's like really trying to play it totally cool here. I think like, she's actually she's actually pretty cool about it. Yeah, it, she's cool to the point. And to the point where Maya was just like, he doesn't seem to want to take no for an answer. Yeah. Well, because Maya's Maya was scared to tell. Shy Emily'd be mad, and Emily's just like, no, I'm just happy to start fresh. You know, since it's over between you guys, right? And Maya's like, oh, yeah, it is. But, he, you know, it looks like he won't take no for an answer. And then Emily, like, her, her brain explodes. She's just like, he? Yeah, yeah. She's just, like, staring forward, like, trying to process just, the shit. Well, the way Maya just drops that and pretends that it's nothing, you know? Exactly. Maya's horrible. We don't like Holden, but we hate Maya. Bring back Samara. Exactly. Even Paige. Well, shit. I don't know. Shit. At least Paige is like interestingly that's, insane. That is literally a Lady or the Tiger scenario for me. <laughs> um Alright, well, let's talk about Spencer. This is this is the prime rib of the whole the whole meal right here. Mm-hmm. So Spencer and Ari have they've traveled to Philly there looking for the place that sold the burner phones, but it's seemingly just a newsstand. Kinda seems like a bust. Uh Spencer wants to get some coffee, but Ari's gotta go to her date, so Aria takes off. And then Spencer starts doing this thing where, like, she notices, like, she's at a crosswalk, and she notices the person next to her has a seeing eye dog. And then she looks up, and she notices, like, the crosswalk turns, you know, to walk. It starts making that noise for blind people, and she starts, she notices that. And then she, like, looks over and sees, like, a blind dude with a cane, you know. Mm-hmm. And so she just, like, starts, it's like she's noticing all this shit at once. And so she just starts following one of the blind dudes with a cane. And we see in the next scene that she ends up at a school for the blind, mm. which is apparently nearby this newsstand. The Christian August Rehab Center for the Blind. Mm-hmm. And Spencer's like, oh, interesting. 
So if you're keeping track here, they found some of A's burner phones followed where they were purchased from. They were purchased near the school for the blind. Mm-hmm. Well, and so it's a school for the blind. And so my note real quick to ask you in a sidebar here is, who is Spencer's favorite suspect of <laughs> all time? I mean, besides Ian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she decides to go inside. And the general, how would you describe the lobby of this blind rehab center the lobby uh, i don't know i mean what are you going for i mean it's it's like old it's rustic it's kind of run down the first thing that really grabbed me was the art on the walls oh i didn't even notice it it's it's terrible it's terrible art but it's like it's even kind of sad <laughs> like, like the kind of art that blind people would do it, it's it's the art of a blind guy who like he's obviously not looking at you because he can't look at you he doesn't know what he's looking at he's like just kind of like staring off in the space but it's art mm-hmm. and a center for blind people, I just, they're this, not going to see it. Well, give other them people a sculpture. Do. This give whole, them a sculpture. They can feel it. This whole sequence is—I—I I had forgotten how good this was. It's one of my favorite Spencer moments here. This, this but whole it's—it's it's good and it's bizarre. It's good. Like any time, like Spencer had, like Trayvon Bell. Sorry, it has like such a like amazing charisma and chemistry, especially with like people she's never interacted with before. Like, seeing her interact with the lady at the counter and then the blind guy, like, she's just wonderful in it. Yeah. The so she, counter, she goes to the lady at the counter, and she, she launches into this story about how she's been away for a few years, and she's t- trying to locate a former friend uh, who, like, she thinks went here. And the lady's just like, our records are private. Right. And she's this like... This is your typical your person working in a counter who's slightly evil because mm-hmm. they have to be. Yeah. And Spencer's like, well, can you just, t- like, I don't need to know anything medical. Can you just tell me, like, if she was, she was here? And the lady's just like, no. And so Spencer's like, all right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's like, do you need anything else? And she's like, no. And he can, he can see, like, there's two Spencers fighting here. There's the, uh, the, like, the crazy Spencer who just wants to, like, grab everyone by the throat and demand answers. And the yeah. other, the other Spencer, the good girl, who's, like, very good at, like, sweet-talking her way with adults into things. And there's a part of me that I remember this episode from the first time I watched it, and I remember thinking that if this show gets a few more seasons, you're going to see a similar scene later where Spencer, like, ignores the amateur mistakes of this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to flash back to, like, uh, there's a scene, sadly, of, uh, uh, from Angel, I want to no. say, uh, uh, later, like later in Angel, when, uh, uh, Angel has to call Buffy at one point. This is back when Angel's been turned to Angelus, like on his own show, like, like season four, maybe. And he wants to call Buffy. And so he wants to make sure that she's not in LA. And so he picks up the phone and he's just like, hello, Dawn, is your sister there? She is. Okay. And he hangs up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> like Spencer will get to that point at some point. Right now she's like, she's feeling out her roots here. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, she's mentioned Jenna's name. Yeah, and so this this blind dude he calls her over. He's just like, "Oh, you're looking for Jenna? Like, come come talk to me, you know?" Yeah, exactly. This weird curly haired blind dude. Well, he's blind, so he he doesn't realize how ridiculous his hair looks. His hair is ludicrous. It's permed Prince Caspian hair. But this guy, like, I feel like this guy nails his role. Because there's he's th- he's not a terrible actor at all. There's a way you could play the scene where it would be shitty, um, but instead the scene's like really excellent. Be- 
because uh, Spencer, we see she's she gets coffee for this dude, and she sets it down. She's like, "Do you want sugar?" And he's like, "No, no, I'll get it myself. Just tell me, like, you know, what what time it is on the table. You know, ten o'clock." And mm-hmm. so, and then he reaches for it and he shows her how he can tell what which one's sugar and which one's sweet and low based on like the how big the grains feel. You know, mm-hmm. and Spencer's immediately fascinated by his like blind people powers here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he's really showing her that, like, he has mastery of his other senses. So, mm-hmm. Blindbro here has, I don't think we ever get his name, do you? I don't think so. But Spencer, no. she lies to him and says that she knew Jenna before she before, before Jenna Rosewood. went to Rosewood. Yeah, before Rosewood. Mm-hmm. Blindbro has a life story. He has some kind of genetic disease. Um, he's been slowly going blind his entire life. He literally saw it coming, which is a line that I adore. I feel mm-hmm. like... The writers were so proud of themselves <laughs> to throw that line in. But like, when the lights went out for good, he wasn't ready. He was angry. But meeting Jenna turned that all around for him. To which Spencer's like, huh? Well, that's what makes this scene so wonderful and why I like it so much is that Spencer, obviously, like, like Jenna just conjures up immense feelings of like guilt and anger, uh, when, when Jenna, when Spencer thinks about Jenna. Uh, but this guy is like coming from this completely other place where Jenna has like clearly like helped and inspired this guy. And it's like, you're just watching her and her face as she tries to process this, uh, this dichotomy of like, like Jenna's a monster to her. And at the right. same time, it's like, like this guy like was like loved her, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, he, she was like his hero. And, it, um, and it's just great to see Spencer. She's kind of like, experiencing the world through a completely different perspective now, like with this blind guy. For a moment, anyways. Mm-hmm. But uh, real quick, I know I keep saying sidebar, but sidebar, uh, at some point there was like a webisode thing of the show called Pretty Dirty Secrets. That was in season three. That was season three. Okay, so my feeling is, and I know we've talked about this on the podcast before, there really needs to be, if nothing else, a kind of webisode spinoff thing focused on Jenna, because I think hmm. we've started to uncover that there is a whole other narrative starring Jenna. That's she's we've seen from the first secret that she's obviously in some ways like the antimatter version of Allison. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, like she's you can kind of understand her motives as far as you can understand her actions or know the extent of her actions. Especially when these girls are concerned, you know? I well, mean, I just- I really like the way the the guy. I wish I had a name for him instead of calling him the blind guy. But like, yeah. he's like really genuine and like obviously was like helped a lot by Jenna and like you can tell in the way right. he talks about her. And so Spencer's just having to process this, yeah, and, and like square it with what she knows of Jenna. But it ties back into Spencer's own narrative. And and there's one thing Spencer likes. It's when things fit the pattern that she's already predecided. Mm-hmm. But he says that Jenna was focused and determined. She learned more in a year than most folks at the center learned in four years. And that she had told Blindbro that part of the reason she was this way is because she had things to do back home. Well and I like how he says, well, I, I hope she completed them, you know? And it's yeah. like, it's something that's it's very threatening to Spencer, but he feels like totally like like inspired to talk about it you know like, yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> he he thinks it's wonderful that jenna might have gone and completed her tasks well because he's talking about like he's no longer like the typical uh, i don't know the lack of term but a patient of this rehab center. he's no longer a student yeah because it's a yeah, school yeah. he's there he's to no, like help out yeah in the art studio yeah and, and basically 
his whole purpose for being here is that he's like Jenna gave him so much. Like she gave him back his life. <laughs> and now he's trying to give that back to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, like you can almost see like the bile, like gathering in Spencer's throat. Um, so at one point he, he touches her hand. Well, they, they get and, up. He's got to leave. Like he gets, right. his alarm goes off. He has like a spoken voice alarm on his watch. Because I was going to say, he's wearing a watch the whole time, and I kept yeah. waiting for that. Yeah. And so he has to get up and go to his like art class. And so he shakes her hand, and then he's like, is everything okay? And he asks her that because he can feel her pulse racing. Right. Uh, and Spencer lies and says she's just worried about missing her train. And, and the guy says that Jenna taught him that pulse trick. And he says she's really good at reading people. Which I just wrote down in my notes, and maybe this is true, maybe not. But is that the opposite of Spencer? Is Spencer horrible at reading people? Potentially, because Spencer Spencer has decide, decided who you are before she's ever actually met you. Mm-hmm. And then once she meets you, then she might soften her like list of suspects. But yeah, Spencer says she's really special, referring to Jenna. She's the Trine Belisario sends it potentially more dripping of sarcasm than I have ever heard an actor <laughs> utter. Uh, in my really entire special. life of watching movies and TV, TV shows and plays. Um, and Blind Bro, not picking up on sarcasm at all, which is funny because you think his ears would be more heightened than his mm. eyes. He says, that's what makes her so special. Like, so earnestly. You know, so openly. I feel um, like Spencer's now going to walk around trying to shake hands with people so she can, like, sense their pulse. Exactly, exactly. I, I feel like this show is missing that, like, six-month time gap or Spencer goes and like learns martial arts like in Tibetan monastery. You know what I mean? Um, so Spencer's forced to sign in and sign out by the evil front desk lady, who then, of course, disappears into the back for something, which, of course, inspires Spencer to go steal the visitor logbooks, which from, especially, from the year when Allie, or not when Allie, when Allie disappeared. Right, right. Which is, you know, this is a common trope. You see a lot of things. The thing that got me was that this seems like ridiculous this antiquated idea of a tactile login book at a center for the blind there's uh, no like, you'd, there's a, you'd be surprised how many places you go where they literally have but a i mean there's sheet. no there's no braille setup on this book you know for for these people to sign in well it's it's for, it's for visitors <laughs> yeah exactly but i still i mean you're signing out patients and things i don't know it just seems ridiculous to me but so then it's it's later at night and spencer's getting off the train before we get to that, just one last comment on the guy checking yeah. Spencer's pulse. I feel like that's it's such a great moment because it's a way that Spencer has not anticipated that she would be vulnerable. Like this guy, he's using other senses to figure things out. You know, if it, it totally throws her off guard. Yeah. Oh, uh, and this actor, I don't, I, I haven't like hit the wiki up for his name or anything. This guy is fantastic. Like, he totally nails what what he needs to do. Yeah, I don't know if this actor is cited or not, but he does a good job of not. This is horrible to say because if he is actually handicapped, I feel bad about this. He doesn't play up those usual blind, you know, kind of motifs where he stares off in one direction or anything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I would fully believe this guy is a cited actor who's who's non uh, insultingly. Uh, Getting the epitome of, of a blind, you know, persona or whatever, but uh, he's good. I mean, it, it's it's a very interesting character. His hair is just ridiculous. That's the only <laughs> yeah. thing. His hair is absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, just I don't know. It's like another way for Spencer. And 
I don't want to say violated, but it's another way that she's discovered that uh, she's vulnerable, that she she didn't but anticipate. Question: Will she learn from this? Will she <laughs> look at uh, uh, Jenna differently? I think the answer is no. No. Well, it's impossible she for will, her to. She will double down on hating Jenna more. Mm-hmm. She'll uh, hate Jenna for like making this guy be inspired by her when Jenna's actually horrible. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Because even even Lex Luthor had acolytes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so let's talk about Spencer leaving the train station. This yeah. is presumably like the Rosewood train station here. She walks down the steps to Which her. is seedy as shit. Well it's a train station. It's like, uh, it's it's like the first time we've seen this train station, I think. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a dark urban part of Rosewood. Did you just describe it's, it as the tenderloin? Yeah, basically. It's the Tenderloin is way fucking seedier than that train station. <laughs> but I mean, like, uh, and again, this is because I have been doing a little bit of Rosewood locale research mm-hmm. on the, uh, the Pillow Liars wiki lately. But like, it's all like this, like, warm, fuzzy, like, Main Street Rosewood. It's a la, like, uh, Stars Hollow. Like, mm-hmm. this is, this is nasty. This is so it's, nasty. I got like that yellow lighting from like the sodium light bulbs. Yeah. It, everything, every moment in this corner of town is pre-rape. The so Spencer walks down the stairs. She's crossing the street to her car. She thinks maybe she hears somebody walking behind her. There's no one there. She starts to get a little creeped out. So she kind of rushes yeah. over to the car and is trying to get her keys to to get the car open. But then, like, the footsteps stop. And she, like, turns around. There's no one there. A little freaked out. Walks away from the car a little bit. And then somebody comes up behind her. She turns back around, and it's Mona. But but the way they they focus on this trip, on this trope, sorry, this trope is mm-hmm. like it's almost like these disembodied footsteps, you know, that you've seen in a, a hundred thousand horror movies. Mm-hmm. It's almost, uh, I guess, we're tying into the podcast narrative. It's almost like they're challenging Spencer. Yeah, and she turns and she's like, she's about to pull the Jennifer Love Hewitt thing from like, I know she did that somewhere where she screams out like. I know you're out there or whatever. Well, because no, she at first she rushes to the the car like she's just gonna get in it real quick. But then right, it's like, like she stops. Yeah. She stops and turns and like no, like I'm gonna face this down. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah. But she, then it turns out it's, it's just Mona. <laughs> she's Spencer Goddamn Hastings. Yeah. And so Mona's just like, how random were you on just on the train and in from the city? We could have sat together. Mm-hmm. Mona's um, been doing some therapeutic shopping because she broke yeah. up with Noel and because Hannah's been AWOL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't get a hold of Hannah. And Mona, this is a wonderful Mona scene here. Mona basically starts to cry a little. She's talking about how she's been trying to like shop the pain away. And she went out and bought five cashmere sweater sets because the deals are so good. And like she knows she doesn't even wear cashmere sweater sets, you know? Yeah. yeah. And she says, I think he broke me, referring to Noel. Yeah. Um, yeah, she brought these sweater sets like, like a chump. Like these mm-hmm. blended sweater sets like a chump just to ease her suffering. And I just, I just wrote down my notes. No con breaks women. <laughs> um, no, he definitely broke Arya. Yeah. And so at one point, Spencer is looking at her with this look that almost wants to communicate, like, your pain is cute and fascinating. Well, Spencer's um, kind of just a little bit like, ah, geez, <laughs> let me get you a tissue, I guess. Yes and no. But I mean, there's almost, I want to say like an almost like Arya 
sense to Spencer for a mm-hmm. brief moment here. Um, of compassion. So Spencer, yeah. yeah, yeah, Spencer, well, she's just like more like, like a sociopath fascinated by human emotions or whatever. Spencer's for like, she's like, well, you can do better. And Mona's just like, do you know how hard I had to work to have like a no con go out with me? And so Spencer delivers this fantastic line of, if you're the Mona that you want to be, then why are you letting no con tell you that you're not good enough? Yeah, if you become the Mona you want to be. Yeah, yeah great, exactly. Yeah, great yeah. line. And Mona, I love the line. She says, wow, you're smart, smart. I always thought you were just book smart. Yeah. Which is a wonderful line to describe Spencer. Uh, and then she offers Spencer one of those sweater sets that she'll never wear. And Spencer's like, no, thanks. Um, Spencer's like, uh, thanks. I don't dress like a peasant. Yeah. But uh, Mona thanks Spencer for the talk. I I really love that scene. It's it's so rare that we get a Mona Spencer scene, and I feel like uh, they they really connected. You know, in in the other show, Spencer like if this was like Netflix, like House of Cards, Spencer would have turned to the camera and she would have been like, "Honestly, I run into the weirdest people." <laughs> um, that's I feel like that's what Mona needed, and she didn't have Hannah around. You know, well it was it was perfect though to have Spencer run into a Mona. Well, it was almost as though because Spencer didn't have time to think about it, she like delivered like the perfect line to Mona, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you become the Mona that you want to be, why are you letting Noel Khan tell you're not good enough? Like if she had tried and stopped to think, she might not have said something as uh, impactful to Mona. Well, and because she's not Mona's friend, Mm -hmm. she's not going to like cushion this. She's going to give it to her harsh and real. Um, so then, anyways, so in the end, we're, we're back at Spencer's place. The girls, the, all the girls are there. And this is the thing I want to point out too, that when Ari is grounded, as in your parents punishing you for doing something <laughs> wrong in a fraction, it never looked like this for me because I was never then allowed to go out to my friend's house to have a powwow. But she might have snuck out. I guess, but she was also she, yeah. she used uh, her brother Mikey's secret passageway, also known as the window. Yeah, the, the window. <laughs> um, so the girls have all gotten Chinese takeout. Hannah's filling in the girls about all this new shit she's privy to about Lucas, which is like she's like basically like, sorry guys, it's not even remotely as interesting mm-hmm. as we thought it was. Yeah, wasn't Lucas in the greenhouse? It wasn't him that did the water bottle thing with the lake water. So it's got to be. I felt else. like I feel like all the girls had the past, like Aria five bucks. You know what I mean? <laughs> um. So Spencer then is just like, well, your Lucas story was a fucking bust, as I knew it would be, but I've got the fucking sign-in book from Jenna's Blind Rehab Center. And here's the day that Allison went missing. Let's see, mm-hmm. Allison isn't on the sign-in sheet because Allison had told them a story in the past about how she went to see Jenna that day, right? Uh, and so it's like, well, she's not on the sign-in sheet here. But who is? But who is Garrett? Officer Garrett Reynolds is. Yep. He and so signed in that day, and then he signed Jenna out for the day, and didn't, didn't sign her, back, her back, in. back in for that day. Yeah. So Jenna has no real alibi for like where she was that day. She could have been. So they. Rosewood. So it's interesting. They have Arya say, "Wait a minute." Jenna said Allie blackmailed her, and she stayed in a rehab until Allison's funeral. To which Hannah then dumps in. So where was she the night Allie went missing? Just in case the audience wasn't yeah. clear on the questions they should be wondering about. Yeah. Well, and it, it starts to bring into question Jenna's whole story that she told him about how Allie came there to blackmail her. Right. And so, yeah, Jenna has 
kind of no real alibi here. The girls, they open up their takeout and dump it out on plates, and the takeout's actually just a bunch of, like, dirt and worms mm-hmm. that they throw down and shriek in horror. And then A texts Emily, this is what live bait looks like. Now we're even bitches. <laughs> Exclamation mark A. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the girls are all kind of just, like, looking at this. Like, There's, like, a lot of gasps. Like, oh, my God. But, like, they're really looking at this thing just like, oh, shit. We're so hungry. Yeah. Now we're going to eat. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, like, obviously, there's nothing in Spencer's fridge. That's why we got the Chinese takeout. The takeout yeah. place is probably closed now. They're going to end up going to, like, fucking Taco Bell. It's going to be Or, awful. like, a McDonald's. And these I don't think they have fast food in, uh, in the land of Rosewood. Seriously, there's only like three food. Obviously, there's only a couple food places because Byron and Ella were just like, where are we going to eat that like goddamn Ezra Fitz isn't going to eat? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let me get the A tag. And we get A. It's, it's nighttime and there's, there's some scaffolding and the A is climbing up on and A is loosening the bolts on the scaffolding, the, the bolts that are holding the scaffolding to the wall. Um, which just to, to give you some context there, uh, I assume this is the Hastings place where Toby right. has been working. And just as a tease, the next episode is called The Blonde Leading the Blind, mm-hmm. which is juicy. Yeah, so maybe something bad will happen to Toby soon. That would be nice. <laughs> Our resident uh, carpenter. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a look at the wiki here before we close this out. Nah, no trivia for this one. That's a big disappointment. Yeah. Once in a lifetime. Mm-hmm. This is not my beautiful life. <laughs> Let the water hold me down. So that was uh, S2E16. I'll be back with the blonde leading the blind next week. And until then, any last thoughts? No, just looking forward to it. I'll just say this for our, our listeners who are curious or who are... Uh, Maybe you've already watched the show. There are two really excellent little clues in this episode that uh, if you're paying attention, you'll you'll notice them later on. Juicy. Where we're just a few. Where we're. Uh, how many episodes are we from? Uh, we still got a way to go. There's actually 25 episodes in this season, so we still got lots to go. Miles. This to is go. a good. Yeah, this is a good meaty season, but mm-hmm. we're enjoying every minute of it. So. All right. Well, I will talk to you next time. Okay. Bye bye. Bye.